Okay, welcome back to another episode of Ends With Me. Uh, today I have the wonderful Aditi Loveridge on with me. I have known Aditi now for, oh gosh, it must be three years? Mm -hmm, I think so. About that, yeah. Um, she is a wonderful member of the Calgary community. She is a certified coach, certified grief recovery specialist, mindfulness meditation teacher, a writer, pregnancy loss advocate, owner of PregnancyLossHealing.com, and the founder of Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center, which is located here in Calgary. Aditi is an absolutely wonderful human who just has this incredible heart, um, and is such a voice for people who are going through trauma and families that have gone through trauma. And yeah, she's just an incredible human and I can't wait to share her with all of you guys. So welcome, Aditi. Aw, thanks, Madison. That was so sweet. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, amazing. So my first question for you is what started your healing journey? Like what, what was that... Um, yeah, I guess just where did your, your own healing journey start and like what really inspired you to dig into that for yourself? Ooh, hmm, that's a good question. I think um, for me it was, well, I had my first experiences of uh, parenthood were of loss. So my first two pregnancies um, ended in loss and I got pregnant for the third time with my now living child. And I think the moment for me where my healing really started um, was just after my second pregnancy loss. I, um, that second loss, I, I found out um, that the baby did not have a heartbeat and they gave me an option of, because I wasn't having any signs or signals of a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. um so it was like a missed miscarriage um and so they basically the doctors gave me an option of either get a dnc or wait it out and see if my body naturally would yeah would find its way um and my first loss was highly medically intervented and um intervened in it so i didn't want to i didn't want to go that route uh again just personally for me not that there's anything wrong with that for others but for me I felt like it was really needed for my own healing to see what my body could do. Um, and so I ended up waiting five weeks uh, for my body to finally be able to let go of that pregnancy and five weeks to kind of have straddle both life and death. That's how it felt mm -hmm. um, for five weeks while I had this baby inside of me that, it, that was no longer alive, but also was not leaving um, yeah. my womb space. It was quite... Um, it was quite a traumatic five weeks, but also I think one of the most times where I really had to lean in mm. to the healing of it. Uh, I couldn't just ignore, <laughs> I couldn't ignore what was happening. And so I did ignore it <laughs> for the first couple of weeks. And then I think by week three, I was like, okay, um, something's got to shift here. And so I did many, like, I did deep meditations deep just rituals and I remember one night in particular I sat in meditation and a strong message 
came through in my meditation that said, sometimes we have to lose everything to regain ourselves. And that very next morning after that meditation is when my body finally caught up and uh, I was able to birth that baby naturally at home, which sounds very strange, but it was one of the most empowering acts that I've I've been able to do. Um, To birth a baby that's no longer alive and be grateful for it sounds very strange, I know, to a lot of people. Um, But it really showed me that, A, my body does know what to do, even if it didn't, that didn't result in a, in a live birth. Um, But it really showed me how powerful um, having your mind, body and heart aligned is. And so that, I think that was the starting point for me of my, with my journey um, Mm -hmm. of, of healing. Thank you for sharing that. Oh man, that is so profound the, like just that message of sometimes we have to lose everything to refine ourselves. Is that what you said? Yeah, regain ourselves. Yeah, regain ourselves. Like Ooh. I'm just like sitting in that like quite deeply right now, as I feel many people are. Like not necessarily within um like birthing children per se, but I think. I think in some ways we like give birth to our own realities and our own creations. Like when we get these ideas in our mind of things we want to create and things we want to do and things we want to see and like the adventures and storylines we create for ourselves. And I just feel like right now so many people are experiencing that feeling of loss of what they were trying to create. Yes. And like even for myself, I've been sitting in a bit of a place of um like what's what's next and like a space of reflection Uh I feel like we've been given a moment to pause with all this COVID stuff happening and then re-happening again now yeah um to really look at that like regaining of self and like a moment to pause and come back to self yeah. Oh, yeah. What you? Yeah. That that's profound. Like. Mm. Yeah, and I remember that moment like so well. Like I remember just being, like, on my on the floor in that meditation and having that come through. And it was it was really like I I remember just starting to cry. Yeah. And it was like I finally was able to let go, and it was such a powerful thing that. I st- like the miscarriage started the very next day because yeah. that, I mean, I had been waiting five weeks and it was truly because I, I was not ready to let go, but that message was showing me that, okay, this didn't work out how you had planned, but you're going to be, <clears throat> you're going to be different. And, but that maybe you need to be <laughs> right. in a sense. Yeah. That was the message that I, that I got and it finally made me feel safe enough to really let go yeah and so was there like because what I'm hearing is there was like a bit of resistance before that release happened Mm -hmm. and like were you feeling like afraid to like lean into that resistance and like because I know in similar moments in my life it like feels really scary to like go there 
and then there's like this like breaking point where it's like like the moment right before the tears come and there's like a pause in the breathing and then there's like a bit of an exhale and then the waterworks start and then it's like oh that's relief but like that felt so scary yes yeah 100% I was definitely um resistant like I said even for the first three weeks I was resistant I was resistant because I was angry I was angry that I was here again in a pregnancy that wasn't going to result in a live birth I was ang- I was like frustrated I was scared that like what if this was the end of the road um I was like disappointed in my body I had a lot of really um tumultuous like thoughts around my body um so there was just yeah there was a lot of like resistance I didn't want to lean into that space because I was angry (laughs) I think that was the big biggest thing yeah and then on the other side of it what was your experience on the other side of it I found peace. I I found peace and peace in the journey. Um, For me personally, again, I like there was a lot of empowerment for me knowing that my body could do this, even though, like I said, it wasn't a live baby, but my body was still able to do it. Um, Again, there was a lot of like empowerment for me to go, holy, because I've always, I mean, I'm East Indian and I've always been raised to, to, be told, you know, like mind body connection is, is everything. Right. Um, but that was like my first tangible experience of how powerful and how truthful that actually is. Yeah. Um, cause my, my, it was my father actually a couple weeks earlier, he had said to me, cause I said, why is my, like, why am I not letting this pregnancy go? Like, why can't this happen? Mm -hmm. Um, and he told me, he said, I don't think your heart's ready yet. And maybe you need to have, like let your heart catch up. Um, and I got really upset when he said it. Cause I was like, that's not true. Like I'm like, I'm ready to, but it really was true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I really got that confirmation of just how powerful that is, um, that I think that was a really amazing message for me as well. And then it also sent me, um, like that message of like that I can do hard things. Cause that honestly was, probably the hardest thing that I've that I'd had to do up up to that point and and I can do it yeah yeah I love that that is such um I feel like what I love about like you're recognizing that like your body is powerful and like like the female body and like the ability to birth children is just like some sort of miracle I think and I think it's like super beautiful that you can still see the uh yeah just like the beauty in that and be like grateful for your body and its ability to like birth even if it didn't result in like a full-term pregnancy Mm -hmm. um because I think like a lot of women miss that like I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in the anger and the frustration and the like and like the future you envisioned with that child mm-hmm. um, to like really miss that, like honoring yourself and like honoring that you are still incredible and that you can do hard things, even if like the end result isn't what you would have 
wished upon anyone because I don't think I would wish loss on anyone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think that's a really, a really beautiful distinction. And then the mind body connection as well. It's like, it is everything. Like you just can't separate it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, as you moved further into your healing journey, because we both know this is not just a one and done. It's an, <laughs> yeah. it's an ever evolving journey. And like, there's still days too, where like, obviously I was quite young when I experienced my loss um, and have not been pregnant again since and have also not been trying to do that. But there is part of me in the back of my mind that like, wonders what that experience is going to be like for me because I don't think there's mm-hmm. any way to predict like how I'm going to react to my next pregnancy yeah because um, I, I would still love a family and children one day um, yeah so I just I think uh, like how has the understanding of mind-body connection contributed to your ever-evolving healing journey? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it definitely, like you said, it's uh, ever-evolving. There's times when I'm good, better at that, like reminding myself of that and leaning into that space. Um, and then there's times where, you know, the things get the better of me and I forget. Um, I know when I I think that's what surprised me the most. Like you said, you don't know how you will feel um, when you do get pregnant for the next time. And I think that is what surprised me the most is that I had that really powerful kind of, I don't know, awakening or I, of some sort um, with my second loss. And then I got pregnant for the third time with my now living child. Yeah. And I really felt like that experience had prepared me. (laughs) Um, but I was not prepared that my pregnancy with my living child was probably the most disconnected I'd ever been actually from my body and from my experience because the fear, um, really, really set in and I was like somehow unable to get myself out of that space. Um, Mm -hmm. That lasted until after my child was like a year old. Um, And, but after their first birthday, I, um, I think that's when I was able to kind of get back into that space of, okay, um, I can't, I I can't continue to parent from this space Mm -hmm. of fear. Like, yeah. When I'm in the space of anxiety and fear, I'm completely disconnected from love. And that is fundamentally what I believe parenting should be rooted in. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, had to do again, the work, right. I had to, I had to show up every day consistently, consciously making space, making room to, to meditate, letting those feelings come up, letting the fears come up yeah. um, and being with it and feeling it um, and let it like move through me, I guess, um, mm-hmm. so that I wasn't holding it and storing it in my in my body um, and in my heart and in my mind. Um, it was a journey <laughs> yeah. and it was a long journey and it still, it still pops up um, seven years later. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But yeah, it's uh, that my pregnancy after loss definitely surprised me. Mm-hmm. 
it because I thought I was going to be more prepared than I was. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting too, because I feel like, like obviously I've, I've heard you share that element of your story before. And I do think it has, um, like for me anyways, it, it did spark that question of like, oh, I didn't even think that like that would even come up again. So I feel like now it is something I'm a little bit maybe conscious of as like a possibility of things that mm-hmm. happen. And I mean, I don't know how that will play out because I can't predict the future and how right. that will all evolve, but it definitely like wasn't a thing that was on my mind as even a possibility until you shared it. And then I was like, oh, interesting. Like yeah. I could for sure see how that would be quite uh, triggering yeah and I wish that I wish that you know I wish that people like myself I I mean now that I have you know I run the charity and everything and we have like pregnancy after loss support group I've met hundreds and supported one-on-one hundreds of pregnant after loss uh, folks and it's quite it's more it's more common than what we think and I think it took me by surprise because up until that point, I had never met anybody who had even said that pregnancy after loss is complex. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, yeah, I can imagine. Um, I think my next question is, so you were mentioning, mentioning like, um, your child now. And my question is how, has your ability to like navigate your own difficulties um, shaped how you parent and mm. like like have you noticed the difference it's made for your your child mm. yes absolutely I think that had I not I mean my my kiddo is like very, very aware um, of what I do for work, right? Because they're seven. Um, so very aware of what I do for work. A very, I've spoken about my losses. Um, my child very much knows that there was two other babies before. Yeah. Um, and so I think had I not experienced the losses and like the disconnect um, in my pregnancy after loss and just like understanding on like a deep level that like bringing children into this world is a miracle and not everybody gets to experience this miracle. And I'm lucky that I do have one living child. Um, I think I I parent vastly different than I would have, would have, if I didn't experience those losses, I'm not saying that there is a reason for those losses. I don't believe that. I don't believe that uh, everything happens for a reason, but I definitely know that I'm a hundred percent a different parent. I'm not afraid to show my child um, grief. I'm not afraid of talking to my child about death and loss. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid um, to allow my child to see sadness like from me because I ultimately believe that um, in allowing my child to see and actually feel the grief and sadness that I feel without hiding it, um, I think that that is helping them become a much more resilient person who understands that this type of thing happens in life as opposed to me 
you know, I was like 30 something years old before. And then I had to experience myself to even realize that it happened to people. And it was so shocking when it happened to me because I was like, why am I struggling emotionally with this so much? And I thought there was something wrong with me. But meanwhile, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just that this is a hard thing that happens. And so I really feel like... um, I really feel like me showing up vulnerably is what it is um, in my relationship with my child is ultimately going to help my child um, grow up to understand that bad things can happen, but you can also overcome those bad things if you allow yourself the space Mm -hmm. to um, be with it, lean into into it instead of trying to push it away. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love love that. I think it has been on on my mind as I like work with children. Mm-hmm. And obviously like we're in some pretty crazy gnarly times right now and I just <laughs> uh, I just think that like even just like as a society or like culturally how we discuss death and loss like I almost feel like I feel like recently maybe a little bit less and I don't know if that's just because I've been like seeking it out a little bit like conversations around that and like how to navigate it um and like my grandmother passed away in July so like that's been a journey as well but Mm -hmm. like I, I don't really think anybody I feel like it's like I just don't want to talk about it I'm just gonna keep it to myself but like as a result, I don't really know that like we have developed very healthy coping habits. Yeah. <laughs> Just in generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. Um, yes. And like, especially too, like I feel like with, when it comes to especially talking with children, like I think it's one thing to like call up someone of like your own age and be like, Hey, I'm really sad right now. And not to necessarily say like, use your child as a therapist, but like also not like go in your room and like lock the door and like cry Mm -hmm. and try to pretend like nothing's wrong. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because kids are smarter than that. Like they know, they know something's wrong or they like, like they understand like emotions, I think better than we think we do. But then like in doing that, that's how we teach them to cope, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. And, 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 really what it is is that we as a society are not taught how to grieve um we're not taught how to grieve and it's interesting that we're not taught how to grieve because that is one thing all of us in our lives are going to experience yeah. with, with like for with certainty yeah um that is one thing we all have in common is that we are going to lose somebody close yeah. to us and we are going to grieve that experience yeah um and yet we're not taught how to do it. And, and I saw this quote the other day uh, somewhere, I don't even remember where, but it said, we talk about how resilient children are and yet we have um, like, we, we have all these adults walking around with like unresolved childhood trauma. Right. So it's like, it, and that really made me think, and I was like, it's mm. so true, right? So, yeah. so that's what, like, that's what I'm consciously trying to do is like, A, um, try to heal my own trauma, but also not shield my child right. um, from the grief, grieving and, and loss process, because right. I really feel like 
that is going to teach my child again that we don't talk about it. We push it away. Um, We're feeding into all those myths that we believe about grief and loss that are simply not true. Um, And we're handing down again, though, like you said, those unhealthy coping strategies. But we're... But then later on, this my child could grow up and there could be lots of tra- unresolved trauma um, if right. we don't talk about it. So, Because a lot of parents feel scared to talk about it because they're like, I'm going to traumatize my child. But it's actually quite the opposite. If you yeah. talk about it, you're actually creating a space for them to start to deal with emotions yeah. rather than push it away. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, you mentioned... Uh, the myths we have about grief and loss, mm-hmm. and, like, myths about grieving. Can you just like shed some light onto like maybe what a few of those might be? Yeah. So there's like a few common myths um, that we have. So one of them is that um, time will heal. Mm. And that's simply not true. Uh, what I've learned in my own journey and supporting so many families through through loss is that time doesn't heal time definitely changes your grief experience and your relationship with your grief but it does not heal it um and i think when we say that it's very quite dismissive because then when there's somebody who obviously is going is acknowledging you know their loss let's say 10 years later but um society is kind of like, well, you should be over it by now, right? Right. Time heals. Um, Time doesn't heal. What time does do is it it, it changes. Right. It changes that relationship. So that's one. Um, Another one is uh, we have to be strong for others. (laughs) So particularly with parents, Mm -hmm. I think this is a big one, right? We have to be strong for our children. Or if you lose a grandparent, let's say in your, in your example, um, you probably, and I don't know, but I know when I lost my grandparents, I didn't allow myself really to grieve it because I needed to be strong or I thought I needed to be strong for my mom. Right. Who's, who's was her, like it was her parents who, who we had lost. Yeah. Um, another one is we need to grieve alone. Mm. so we like you said that example you said like go and like lock the door and then cry right because right. we don't want anybody to see us um right. see us feel pain yeah um replacing the loss that this one is like really really big um we especially within like the pregnancy and infant loss community um but i think in so many ways is you replace the loss um so if you had a like a pregnancy or infant loss, oftentimes people will be like, well, you can get pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe not. And the point is, is I wanted that baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not re- looking for a replacement child. I wanted that child who I lost. Yeah. Um, and we do this, we do this really early on with children, that replacement of loss. We show them, um, we show this them very early. Like, let's say if they, um, you know, they're attached to, let's say, like a particular blanket or something like that. And then they lose the blanket and they're crying. What they're experiencing in that moment is grief. But instead of allowing them to feel their grief, oftentimes parents will just be like, well, here, here's a new stuffy. Right. Right. But they're not crying because they want a stuffy. They want, they want their blankets. Right. Right. So we do this from a very early age with children. Um, And don't feel bad is a huge one. Don't right. feel bad. Just don't feel bad about it. 
Um, so there, there is like no group that is more fine and okay than a group of grieving people because we've learned that that's what we need to do. <laughs> yep. We, we're like always, you ask, oh, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm, everything is good, right? Because we have been taught that we shouldn't be feeling bad. Um, yep. Yeah, which is a huge Can we just like d- dig into that one for a minute? Because yeah. as of recently, like, it, like even just like the last like four days <laughs> since like, I feel like there was a bit of like an ominous wave that came with this like yeah. implementing of the restrictions of restrictions that happened every day that was like Tuesday like just like this ominous wave of like everybody's losing it you know and like Mm -hmm. I had to delete Facebook because I was like I actually just like can't even read any more of this like banter yeah but this like oh like how are you doing and like I just like I've noticed it in myself like people be like oh how are you and like in my mind, I'm like, well, how the F do you think I'm doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, have you seen what's going on right now? Like, I'm, you know, like the words that want to come out of my mouth, it's like, well, not super great. Like, sucks. I'm like struggling, you know, yep. I feel like the minute, like I, there's part of me that like won't say that. I'll be like, oh, you know, like I'm doing or I'm okay. Or like, just like making it through, you know, cause like. I feel like the minute you say you're struggling, everyone's like jumps to like worst case scenario, you know, like, oh my gosh, like, are you depressed? Are you like going to like do something stupid, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, so I find myself like hesitating to be like, oh, I'm actually struggling with this one. And like, it's a roller coaster. And I like cried on my way to work and I cried on my way home from work and then just like kept it together while I was at work. You know, and so it's like, but I feel like I don't want to be like, oh, I'm struggling because I, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's this like underlying context that like, if you were to be like, I'm struggling, that people just like blow it way out of proportion. And it it could also just be like how I was raised as a child and like how my parents handled the like, I'm struggling thing. But I feel like there's a lot of people that are struggling and just won't say it, you know? Yeah. And and I don't think, I don't think that's um, specific to you only Madison. I think it's like, I think that is the messaging that many of us, uh, because that's what we are getting as like a society is that when we say we struggle, um, we're often made to feel that when we're struggling, like that's a sign of weakness. Yeah. Um, like Glennon Doyle wrote about it in her book, Untamed. I don't know if you've read that book I, yet. I, I'm like 75% of the way through. It's Okay. It's like so good. But she talks about that in her book about this notion of like, we often feel like when life feels hard and we're struggling that we are failing. Like it's a character flaw. Like. Yeah. And, and in fact, no, life is just hard, right? Yeah. It, life is hard. And, and actually feeling that hardness and feeling the struggle is actually what it means to be alive and what it means to be human. We're not failing when we're struggling. We're actually, that's what being human is about, right? And I think that that's like a really powerful thing, right? And, right. and, and to go back, right? We don't feel bad. That's what we're taught. Don't feel bad. But it's like, 
life is hard and this is hard and we're allowed to feel bad about it. We're allowed to say, this is really awful. Like this is awful. And I am struggling right now. Like Christmas is going to look different. All these things look different. I can't see the people I love. I can't hug people. Like um, that is just hard. And it's not because we're failing at life. It's because it is hard. Yeah. And I also think too, like in not feeling the hardness, like in my experience of like things, it's like when I try to like bypass feeling that like frustration, like it inevitably like comes up later or like when I like judge it and I'm like, why am I feeling like this? Like this sucks. Like I should be happy. Like I should be grateful. And then, then like I end up just in this like war with myself about like trying to like feel different you know yes exactly exactly well because whatever we whatever we push down yeah whatever we push down will inevitably come up yeah right like if you if you think of like that example of like a beach ball in the water if you try to push down a beach ball in the water like it's gonna come up and usually when it comes up it's not a very pleasant experience probably coming up and hitting you like right in the face yeah 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 and that goes for emotions as well yeah no uh, yeah mm-hmm. yep it does it's crazy times we live in and i just it is, it is absolutely is uh yeah i think like these are really good conversations to be having though because i do think that like like i mean even for myself like i feel like i've been going through a bit of like uh like a death process of like different elements of myself and like old mm-hmm. beliefs i've had about like things that were true and like what I'm capable of and what I'm not capable of and like creating new beliefs about that mm-hmm. and like even just like having to like grieve old parts of myself you know yeah like I feel like the whole process of life is like a constant like death and rebirth and like if you don't know how to grieve like how do you how, how does life evolve you know it, it yeah you're absolutely right because I yeah i it, it's also like one of the myths that we tend to have about grief and loss is that grief and loss o- is only relevant to when we lose a person. Right. Right. Like a person, but there's, you can, you, when a relationship ends, there's grief and loss process in that. When, right. um, when you change jobs, there's a grief and loss process. When, like you said, when you start to let go of some old beliefs and who you were before, that's grief and loss. And you're absolutely right. If we don't know how to move through that process, it becomes really difficult. Yeah. And I mean, even like I have some awareness of, of that process. And like, even, even then it still feels like a messy storm, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As it will. And I don't know that, I mean, here I am quote unquote talking as like, you know, grief and loss, you know, expert. I'm quote unquote, cause I'm no expert, but, um, but that's the thing is grief and loss is messy. It's a storm, but it's about allowing yourself, I think, to feel that's the storm, right? Allow those waves to hit when they need to hit. Yeah. Allowing yourself to like be in that space rather than pushing through it, yeah. which I think is one of the biggest misconceptions that we have is that you push through, you push through, and you'll get to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to just allow yourself to be in it and feel it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's how you get through it. It's going to feel messy. It's going to feel, um, 
kind of like a whirlwind at times, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's how we get through it is we sit, we sit with it. Yeah. I love that. Um, And I, I also want to talk before we wrap up here about um, the center that you have created because um, I like when I first met you, I know like the center didn't, um, it didn't exist (laughs) yet. Um, And I just, I just think it's such a, a beautiful, um, a beautiful thing you've created, not only because like it holds space for people to like receive, um, like connection with other people that have experienced pregnancy and infant loss, but it also, um, provides them with access to like alternative methods of mm-hmm. healing that at a way that are like in a form that is accessible um, financially as well. Cause I know you and I have also talked about how like sometimes these alternative modalities of healing can be quite expensive as they are not yeah. publicly funded, which I pray to God someday that they, they do become publicly funded because mm-hmm. I just think that there's so much, so much value in taking care of your health from like a holistic standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of alternative forms of medicine and healing do touch on that um, more holistic approach of like the mind, body and soul Yeah, um, that like not everybody's family physician is going to tell you that like meditation is going to help you. They might just be like, here's some antidepressant to get you through this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, yeah. Oh, I totally know what you're saying. So like, this is, this is why I have like just so much love and respect for what you are creating in this center. Um, Thank you. And it's, it's interesting too, because I mean, since, since we met and we did do that, like, brief little like Facebook live like video um just like talking about the importance of like sharing your story around pregnancy and infant loss like specifically just because it is one of those things that like I think gets swept under the rug maybe more than like like if you had like a partner that passed away or like a family member that died because like those people were able to interact with other humans at, Mm -hmm. at that point and people know about them and like it's, it's harder to be like, oh, like that person just never existed, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think pregnancy loss and infant loss is a lot easier to hide and like sweep under the rug and just like pretend mm-hmm. it never happened and like internalize that grief without anybody ever knowing like what happened. And like since yes. I started sharing my story, like I probably know 40, 50 plus women and I'm sure you know even more because I feel like you're constantly in this community. But uh, like when I tell people that I'm like, Oh yeah, like it's way more common than you think. Like I personally know like 40 or 50 and the number is rising people that have experienced pregnancy loss. Everyone's like, Oh what? Like I had no idea it was that common. I'm like, yeah, neither did I. And then it happened. And I was like, Oh my gosh, how come no one talks about this? Mm -hmm. But even since I met you in like 2017, I feel like I've been seeing, people becoming more vocal about this. Like in this past year, I've seen about three of my friends on like social media post 
like beautiful stories of their losses. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, every time I see one, like part of me is like, oh, my heart breaks for you. And I'm like sending you so much love and light and all the virtual hugs. But there's also part of me that's like, yes, like by you sharing this, like the rest of us feel less alone, you know, and you like give yeah. permission to other people. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I just, I just want you to like share what you're creating at this center and like how this center is like contributing to people. I know you shared with me, it's like exploding and growing a life of its own, but. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, um, we're only going to be two years old, which is hard to believe, um, in February, but, um, yeah, really, I think since COVID hit, well, since last January, we really, we moved into a new space, um, and we, really started to see our community grow and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, I was like, Oh no, like, what are we going to do? Like, is this, is this where yeah. things end? But actually I think that's where really things started to really pick up for us. Um, we got a lot of grants. We got a lot of support. Um, we quickly pivoted our programming so it could be offered remote. We yeah. created an entire new program, which is um, a hotline um, that people can engage with, our trained volunteers online through like a web chat. So, you, yeah. so you're chatting with other people who have walked this journey. Yeah. Um, so if you're just having a hard moment, a bad day, um, at any point in your loss journey, you can connect with uh, these volunteers. We have over 60 volunteers working on our hotline, which is just incredible mm-hmm. to me. Um, it just shows like how much parents who have lost a pregnancy, an infant, a child, how much they want to give back to the community. I've never seen such heart um, in in our volunteers. It's just incredible. Um, so we do that. And then we're still able to offer some of our um, alternative uh, therapies. So we have like a tarot card reader. Some people at first, when I was like, I would tell people we have a tarot card reader. Some people were like, kind of like what why and I was like well because sometimes we need something different (laughs) when we're in the space sometimes we need we just need some answers we need some guidance we need some something um that we're not getting um in like your traditional therapies and so that's why we have tarot card we have reiki uh, reflexology acupuncture the reflexology acupuncture aren't currently open um, but we do distance Reiki um, and then we have of course we have like myself I'm a coach and then we have like your traditional um, counseling with a social worker and then we have tons of peer support groups like seven specialized peer support groups all of which are being offered remotely right now which has been beautiful because we're seeing people from all across mm-hmm. North America joining us. We have people from, you know, like BC and Ontario and Illinois and New Jersey. And um, it's been really lovely. Um, We had a virtual holiday gathering last night and there was people from all over. And Mm -hmm. that was one of the feedback that that people really said was like in this time of COVID where we're so isolated, um, at least being able to connect with other people who are in similar spaces, um, like across North America really makes you feel like you're really not alone. Yeah. And that's been the intention of the center is to connect 
community um, to make them know that they're not alone and then to provide supports like you were saying Madison that um, we know that everybody heals differently and um, we want to provide supports that people resonate with um, maybe haven't been able to try but are so very healing yeah Um, and like I said with my own journey I have utilized the alternative therapies throughout my healing journey I continue to to this day yeah and it's been powerful and I just I don't want like finances to be a barrier for those people um, who maybe can't afford it have never tried it but then they're missing out on the power behind some of those therapies so so really we're giving options to to bereaved families to to connect with community and then find their healing in their own way I love it I'm so like beyond thrilled that this exists now <laughs> um, yes me too yeah just it's yeah I feel like it's something I needed when I went through my loss and it just like wasn't um easily accessible or if it existed at all anywhere which I don't think it did but um, yeah so I'm just I'm just so grateful for you and what you're contributing to the community and what you brought to this episode of this podcast I feel like it's going to be I feel like there's a lot of things we've touched on that are relatable to not only people that have gone through like pregnancy and infant loss but also just like anyone that's alive in 2020 right now because yeah. there's yep. yeah there's been a lot of like change and death and birth this year it's just been wild but um yeah yeah I just want to thank you so much for jumping on here with me this morning and sharing your story and sharing what you're up to and uh yeah I just appreciate you um, and I appreciate you. It's been so lovely chatting and, and connecting. And that's what I love about you, Madison, is that we don't have those frilly conversations. We have the, the meaningful, heart-centered conversations always. And I love you for that. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Um, beautiful.